Hello and welcome to this message from the river. We hope that this message from Pastor Billy Pate inspires and challenges you towards a greater relationship with Jesus Christ. Now let's join Pastor Billy Pate for another exciting message. You say come to the Amen. This morning, let's turn to 1 Samuel chapter 17. I'm going to be taking you there today as we continue our series, Hidden in Plain Sight. We've been talking about the provision of God, the provision of God that He has prepared, that He has laid up, that He has uh, set aside for each and every one of us, that no matter what you need, our God is a provider. He is a, that is who He is. That is not just what He does, but it is who He is. He is a provider today. And so whatever it is that you need provided for you today, I want you to know this morning that you have a God that is more than able and capable and willing to give it to you and provide it for you and to deliver on every single promise in His Word. Somebody say amen to that. He's a good God, and He has prepared for each and every one of us provision for whatever we are facing in this life. Our series text is found in Isaiah 45 and 2. It says, I'll go ahead of you. This is God talking. He's going ahead of us. He's clearing and paving the road. He's breaking down bronze city gates, smashing padlocks, kicking down barred entrances, and leading us to buried treasure, secret caches of valuables, confirmations that it is in fact I, God, the God of Israel, who calls you by your name. He is able this morning. I said He's able today. He's able to do whatever you need done in your life this morning. And so today I want to preach to you on the provision of deliverance with the message entitled, There is a Stone. Father, I thank you this morning. I feel an anointing in this place, God. I pray that you would awaken every heart and every life in this room, Lord, to hear the words that you have prepared to be spoken in this place from this pulpit today. I pray that, God, all the festivities of later will, will, will subside for the next few moments and that, God, in the next few moments, we'll engage you fully with everything that we have, our full being, so that we can receive your word. Today in our hearts, we praise you in Jesus' name. Everybody says, Amen. Amen. All right, get with me this morning. I want to take you to 1 Samuel chapter 17. I trust that most of us uh, have heard the story, read the story of David and Goliath. I want to encourage you that if you have not actually read the story and only heard of the story, I want to encourage you to go to the story and actually read through it. There's so much meat and so much to offer out of this message. I believe that I could literally take this particular story and preach it to you for the next 52 weeks and preach it to you from a different point of view over and over again. There's just a lot of meat there and a lot of stuff that we can gain from this. And so today, what I want to focus on is the, is the design the design that God gives us in the passage for deliverance. Now, when I think about that word design, it's specific because design is not just that God has a plan, but God has a plan that He has designed Himself. He has thought it through. He has planned every detail. He has set every course in motion. He has went ahead of you on the road of life, and He has put the provision along that road that you're going to need because God designed that your outcome would be a good outcome. God designed that His promises would be fulfilled in your life. God designed a long time ago when He was formed 
forming you and making you. He designed every part of you to accomplish a specific purpose that He put in motion long before we were ever weaved together in our mother's womb. We have a God who is a designer this morning. He's not just trying to figure it out on the fly today. Come on, somebody. He's not just trying to work it out as things come along the way. God figured it out a long time ago. He put things in motion a long time ago. He made a plan a long time ago. And it's our job to figure it out and walk into it because when we do that, we walk right into the promises that God has laid out for us in Scripture. He's a God of promise. He's a God of design. He is the grand designer this morning. And so there is a design here for deliverance in the text. And if we will follow His design, it always leads to our deliverance. 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 1. Stay with me in the text because I'm going to be going back and forth and just throughout it in different aspects. It says, Now the Philistines gathered their armies together to battle. Let me just stop and just tell you that anytime you read in the Old Testament, anytime there is an there is a enemy that comes against Israel, for us in the New Testament age, that enemy always represents the enemy that we face. It, it represents the, the devil that we fight. Now, now our battle is not against flesh and blood, but it is against powers, it's against principalities. It's about spiritual wickedness and high places. And so we don't fight flesh and blood enemies like they did in the Old Testament. We fight a spiritual enemy. Everybody understand that? And so anytime we're reading the text in the Old Testament, we have to put that in context for us that the enemy that it's referring to is an enemy that we face now, the enemy, the devil. Anytime you see the word Israel in the text, you can always apply that to you as the church because now we are the church. We are God's chosen people. Now the Philistines gathered their armies together to battle and were gathered at Soko, which belongs to Judah. They encamped between Soko and Azekai and Ephes Demen. And Saul and the men of Israel were gathered together And they encamped in the valley of Eli and drew up in battle array against the Philistines. The first thing I want you to hear this morning is that there is a battle. There is a battle that is going on. There is a battle that is fighting, that is waging in our nation today. There is a battle that is going on for souls. It is a battle for the future of our children. It is a battle for the future of our grandchildren. It is a battle for the lives of your husbands, your wives, your daughters, and your son. But there is for sure a battle that is going on in our world today. There's a battle over morality. There's a battle over what we will accept and what we will embrace. There's a battle over what we will allow and what we will live with. What will we live with? That's a question that I want to pose to the church today. What is the church willing to live with? What is the church willing to embrace? What is the church willing to forfeit? What is the church willing to compromise on? What is the church willing to just accept as now normal and okay? What is it that we will learn to live with? There is a battle going on. There is an enemy who would love to kill, steal, and destroy every single aspect of your life. He's targeted your children. He's targeted your marriage. He's targeted your provision. He's targeted everything that you have coming into your life that's good. The enemy has targeted it for elimination. He desires and and his design is to bring you to death, destruction, and misery. 
There is a battle going on. And here's the reality of it for the church. Is we can ignore it. We can pretend it doesn't exist. Or we can engage in it. And that's our options. I think a lot of us would like to just, well, I'm just going to ignore it. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to go through life and I know there's some things going on, but I'm just going to stay in my little lane and I'm going to stay in my little circle and I'm going to stay in my little safe place and I'm just going to stay in my comfortable pew and I'm just going to stay where it doesn't hit me. I'm going to avoid the battle. And a lot of us, you know, we want to pretend like it doesn't happen. That it's just, well, you know, I, I don't want to think about that. I don't, I don't want to worry about that. I don't want to, uh, you know, engage in that. But we have a responsibility today to engage in the battle that is around us. It says in verse 2 that they drew up in battle array against the Philistines. Who drew up in battle array? The, the children of Israel. They decided that they were not going to allow the Philistines to continue to encroach on territory. They weren't going to allow the Philistines to continue to invade their land. But they decided that they were going to draw the line somewhere. I come to tell you this morning, it's time for the church to decide we're going to draw the line somewhere. We're going to stop here. We're not going to allow this stuff to come into our lives. We're not going to allow this stuff to come into our homes. We're not going to allow it to affect our children and our marriages. We're not going to allow it here. We're going to draw the line. There's a battle going on. You and I have been enlisted and positioned to fight this battle. When we gave our lives to Jesus Christ, we were enlisted into God's army and positioned with the power and the things necessary to fight this battle. Here's what I believe, that in every area of your life that you have the power to defeat the enemy. I said I believe that in every area of your life that you have the power to defeat the enemy. That you can be successful in every single aspect of life. That God didn't just die for part of it. He died for all of it. That He didn't just say, well, I'm going to die to save your children. But when it comes to your marriage, I don't know about that. I don't think I've got the power to make that work for you. He didn't just say, I'm going to die for your job and take care of your provision. And then decide all of a sudden that, well, for your health, you know, I don't know that I have enough sacrifice for that. God died for every single aspect of your life to be lived in victory. Every single aspect. The resurrection of Jesus gave us the power and the authority to beat every weapon the enemy has in his arsenal. We think about the resurrection of Jesus. I shared this Wednesday night with our church. We think about the resurrection of Jesus and we think about it in very narrow terms. We think about it as well as hope for the future. Jesus rose from the dead, so someday if I die and I live for God, then there's going to be an opportunity for me to rise out of the grave and live with Him forever. Yes, that's a part of it, and that's a beautiful part of it, but that's not all that was for. When Jesus rose from the dead, He rose for you to have power not only in the next life, but also to have power in this life. When Jesus stepped out of that grave, He stepped out of that grave with power and authority, and He gave that power and authority to us so that we could destroy every single weapon the enemy would bring against against us the Bible tells us that no weapon formed against us in Isaiah 54 no weapon formed against us shall prosper no weapon formed against us shall prosper nothing the enemy brings my way can stop me nothing the enemy is designed against me can defeat the design of God for my life the resurrection of Jesus gave us the power and authority to beat every single weapon the enemy had 
in his arsenal. And the greatest weapon that he had, death, was defeated when Jesus stepped out of the grave. 1 Corinthians 15, 55 says, O death, where is your sting? O hell, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. You have the victory this morning. Do I need to save this for next week so you'll be more engaged? You have the victory today. Somebody ought to be excited about that. Especially some of you that have been facing some battles and you're not sure that you're going to get the victory in your life. Maybe some of you have been facing some health issues that seem surmountable, insurmountable. They seem overwhelming. They seem too big for you. I come to tell you today that there is victory for you on the other side of the battle and all the struggle that you're facing this morning. Some of you are facing some financial situations that you don't know how you're going to get out of. But I come to tell you, a preacher come to tell you this morning that you have the victory today. Your struggle's not for nothing this morning. Your fight is not in vain today. Yes, there's a battle going on, but you have the tools. We'll get to them later. You have the tools to win the battle. When Jesus stepped out of the grave, he stepped out of the grave onto the head of the enemy, fulfilling the promise in Genesis 3.15 when he said, He will crush your head, yet you will strike his heel. Jesus stepped right out of that grave, right onto the head of the enemy, and he crushed it for once and for all, for every single one of us. You have the victory. Tell somebody next to you, you got the victory this morning. You may have to convince them. You have the victory. Verse 4 says, And a champion went out from the camp of the Philistines named Goliath from Gath. Verse 10, skip on down to verse 10. It says, And the Philistines said, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. There is a battle, and guess what? There is also an enemy. Standing in front of you and standing between any promise God has given you, there is always an enemy. Always. I wish some things come easy, don't you? But I have yet to find the secret to things coming easy. And any time that I've tried to circumvent God's process and God's ways to find the easy route, what I find is I only walk myself into more trouble and more struggle and more problems. There is no other way except through the enemy that's standing right in front of you. He always squares himself up right between you and God's promise of deliverance in your life. He stands there taunting us. He stands there trying to discredit our God. He stands there not only determined to stop our advance, but to also cause a retreat. Yes, there is an enemy. And we can live with regrets and defeat and less than what God intended, or we can engage Him on the field of battle. Because at the end of the day, you decide what you can live with and what you cannot live with. You also decide what you can live without and what you cannot live without. Because here's what I want you to know today, is it's not just about what... what... what God can keep us from. It's also about what God's trying to bring us to. We spend a lot of our lives from a defensive posture. 
God, just keep me from trouble. God, just keep me from struggle. God, just keep me from strife. Just just keep me from having any problems. Just keep me from, Lord, having any situations come up. Just keep me from any kind of chaos or any kind of confusion. God, I don't, you know, I'm, I'm satisfied just to stay here as long as you will keep anything from touching me and affecting me. And as long as I can stay in this happy little place, I'm happy. I'm fine. But God didn't just keep you from stuff to make you safe and happy. He, he's keeping you from stuff to bring you to some stuff. Along the way of life, there are some provisions laid up for you. There's some secret uh, caches of valuables. There's some hidden treasures for you along the way. And I don't want you to live a less than life. Don't live a life that is minimized. Don't live a life that remains in the darkness. But rather find the purpose and the provision that God has for you and discover God's ultimate purpose in in you. It's big. It's grand. It's great. And it's worth whatever you have to go through to get it. God does not disappoint. God does not disappoint. Well, pastor, you don't know what we've been through. You don't know what we're going through. I'm just saying to you, go through it. Don't stop right in the middle of it and set up camp. You see what's happened in our text here? Is that, yeah, it's nice that Israel was willing to go down and face up against the enemy. But now they're just camping out. It says that they have set up camp here in the valley. And so instead of now engaging the enemy, they've just stopped his advance. They've just come to the place where now, okay, you can't go any further than this. But if you'll stay on your side and I stay on my side, then we'll just be okay. I'll let you do your thing over there and I'll let you destroy all the lives and all the homes and all the marriages and all the children that you can destroy as long as you stay on your side of the valley. But when you come over here now, we're going to have a problem because I don't want you messing with my world. I'm okay, Philistines, as long as you're creating havoc and ripping lives apart on that side of the valley. Just don't come over here. I I don't care if it's my neighbor's kids, just as long as mine are okay. Oh, yeah, I'm preaching right now. None of this is even in my notes, so you know God's helping me here. You know, I'm fine with my neighbor down the road that's got leukemia and, the, and they don't have any money to pay their bills and they're struggling just to, just to get by every single day. As long as that stays over there and doesn't come near me, I can live with that. I'm okay with people dying and going to hell on the other side of the world because they've never heard about Jesus Christ. As long as I have the, the privilege and the option of coming to church on Sunday mornings when I feel like it and I can hear about Jesus and what he's done for me on the once a month that I decide to show up and darken the door of the church just stay on your side I'm I'm all about giving up territory to the enemy as long as it's not my territory I'm fine with whatever goes on down the churches down the road as long as it doesn't affect my church I'm okay as long as whatever happens, as long as it doesn't come nigh unto me. Praise God. But God didn't call us to sit here in safety. He called us to cross over into the darkness and invade the darkness with the light of Jesus Christ. It all belongs to us. 
Whether or not we choose to accept it and possess it, that's up to us. But it all belongs to us. It was given to us when Jesus went to Calvary's cross and He died on that cross and He rose again from the grave. He did that with the idea that He would have a church of people who would have a heart and a desire to not allow the things of this world to continue on as they are, but would step in and do something about it. Are you with me? Am I making you nervous this morning? I'm not trying to make you nervous. I'm just trying to challenge us this morning. I'm stirred up a little bit. I don't want to see darkness growing in our world when we have the power and the light to stop its advance. Here's the problem is a lot of us don't even believe that. A lot of us have just surrendered mentally to whatever's going to happen. And that's what happens in our text here. Is they see an enemy that is great. An enemy that is overwhelming. An enemy that seems to have more power than they have. And they're standing there letting him defy God. Mock them, taunt them, ridicule them. Because they are unwilling to engage in the battle. You decide what you can live with and what you cannot. And I get it. I get it that we are all overwhelmed. You know, I, I look at my task list for each week and I think, my goodness, how am I going to get all this stuff done? I get that. I don't have time for another single thing. But let me just tell you, this is what we're called to do. Reaching people, loving neighbors, caring for our city, caring for our community, going beyond our own safe place into other areas and defeating the enemy there is what the church is called to do. Verse 26, then David spoke to the men who stood by him. Somebody's got to say something. (laughs) You know, thank God for people who will say something. David spoke to the men who stood by him, saying, What shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? That's a great question. Who is this enemy that we face? that he should destroy the lives of our neighbors? Who is this enemy that we face that he should destroy the lives of our community? Who is this enemy that we face that should sit there and have free reign to do whatever he wants without any challenge, without anyone stepping up and saying, not in my city, not in my town. Verse 28, now Eliab... His oldest brother heard when he spoke to the men and Eliab's anger was aroused against David and he said, why did you come down here? You know, isn't it amazing how the people that really should be for you oftentimes are the ones the devil uses to really bring a discouragement to you? I'll answer my own question. Why is it that nobody will speak? I'll tell you why nobody will speak because every time they've tried to, somebody slapped them back down. Because the last time, Pastor, I tried to do something, I had nothing but trouble from everybody that I thought should have supported me. They were telling me how I was wrong, how I was out of line, how I wasn't doing what I was supposed to be doing. They were telling me how it wouldn't work, how it wouldn't... uh... This is his brother. 
First of all, his brother should have been the one taking care of business. And you know what? There's the key right there. People that are ought to be taking care of business and won't are always going to criticize you for deciding to take care of business. Cain and Abel all over again. And that is, the, that is the situation that we face over and over again as Christians is that there's always a Cain to our Abel. When we bring and do what's right and we try to serve God to the best of our ability and offer Him the best that we have to offer, there's always going to be a Cain that comes along and says, I don't like what you did and tries to take it away from you and destroy everything that you've done. But can I just tell you, you got to do it anyway. you got to do it anyway. You know, there's another great story of David. And uh, it's when the people came and the Philistines attacked them at Ziglag. And everybody turned against David. His own men turned against him because they had taken off, they burned their city, they had taken off their wives and their kids and all that. And David stood there with his men and all of them turned against him. And there's a great uh, word there that's been a strength to me throughout my life. And that is this, that David encouraged himself in the Lord. David encouraged himself in the Lord. He wasn't looking for affirmation from everybody around him. He just simply went to the one who had already put his design in place and he said, I need your help today. Nobody's for me. Nobody's going to support me. Nobody's with me on this. As a matter of fact, they're all against me. But today, if I can get my encouragement from the Lord, I know it's all going to be all right. And before that story was over, David had flipped the script on the enemy and on every person in that situation and they were all for him at the end. Eliab. Anger's burned against David. And he says, Why did you come down here? And with whom have you left those few sheep? You, you know what you should be doing? You should be back home tending sheep. I know your pride and the insolence of your heart, for you have come down to see the battle. And David said, What have I done now? Why are you picking on me? Is there not a cause? Last point I want to make this morning. I'm going to finish this next week. Because I've got a lot more here to, to talk to you about. But the last point I want to make today is there is a cause. There is a cause. Yes, there's an enemy. There's a battle. But there's also a cause. I cannot be content. You cannot be content to live a minimized life. You cannot be satisfied to live a life without impact. And a life without significance. There is a cause. I can't be content to stand by and watch people die and go to hell. I can't be content to stay on my side of the valley while the enemy stands there mocking everything that God has promised to give me. There is a cause. And that cause belongs to you. It belongs to me and it belongs to you. Can we be like the army of Israel and sit under the taunting, destructive voice of the enemy and dare not speak a better word? Can we sit by and allow our friends and family to remain subjected to tyranny that his regime affords those folks? Is there not a cause? Is there not a reason to pray? Is there not a reason to seek God? Is there not a reason to invade the darkness? Is there not a cause? We can't let the enemy defy the armies of the living God. Church, we don't serve a God in the grave. I said we don't serve a God in the grave. We don't serve 
an inept, helpless deity. We serve the King of kings. We serve the Lord of all lords. We serve the living God. And who is this devil that he should defy the armies of the living God? Enough is enough. Is there not a cause this morning? You are not powerless people. We are not defeated people. We are not incapable people. We are a people of promise. We are a people of power. We are a people of purpose. And we are a people that belong to a living God today. Amen. And so we must break from the ranks of the fearful and stand on the field with the faithful. There is a cause. And there are people whose deliverance is in your hands. Did you hear what I just said? There are people whose deliverance is in your hands. It's in your hands. You are the one that God has designed to reach them. You are the one that God has put in motion to save them. What are you going to do about the people that God has put in your hands and marked for you to be key to their deliverance? There is a cause, and here's the cause. Because if you don't, it don't get done. The cause is this, because if you don't, it don't get done. Well, pastor, I'm sure that if I don't do it, somebody will do it. I don't believe that. I believe that you has, have, have a sphere of influence that God has given you. Sometimes that sphere of influence intersects with others. But there are portions of that I don't believe intersect with anybody. And I believe there are portions of that that are designed for you to reach them. And so let me just make this personal. April, there's people that if you don't reach them, they're not going to get reached. Lauren, if there's, there's people that if you don't reach them, they're not going to get reached. They're going to they're die and they're going to go to hell if you don't do something about it. Victor, there's people that are going to die and go to hell if you don't do something about it today. Shelly, there's people that are, that are hanging in the balance and they're waiting for you to engage them because they're going to die and go to hell if you don't do it this morning. And you can plug your name into any of those situations because the truth is it's about you and what God has called you to do. And if you don't do it, it don't get done. Can't hope that a preacher will take care of it. Can't hope that one of those good Christians will take care of it. we got to take care of it. And we've got to take care of it as soon as possible. We're running out of time, folks. The urgency in my heart, it's been in my heart for the last several years, but I'm telling you, it's only increasing because I know that the time is short, that we only have a few days before Jesus comes back and we better do what we can to be ready and to get everybody ready that we possibly can before His return. There is a cause. There is a cause this morning. And there, there, this cause is is accomplished on the field of battle when we are willing to face down an enemy. Stand with me across this place. Lauren, would you come this morning? I'm going to stop there today. We have to be willing to go to battle to get to the promise. We have to be willing to step onto the field of battle and face an enemy to get to the promise that God has for us. There is a cause. My question to you this morning is, will you engage in the cause? Will you engage in the cause? This morning, I'm not going to dismiss us in a formal 
with a formal dismissal because I want to take time to pray for everyone who wants prayer this morning. I know that there are many of you that are fighting battles. We were talking this morning, and it seems like I can remember as a younger person that we would fight battles, yes, but there were seasons where we didn't really have, it was just peaceful. And it seems like today as we near Christ's return more and more, it's just like those, those seasons of peace are less, fewer and far between. And it's just like we're costly engaged in heaviness and in a battle to just hold the line. I get the pressure. I get the weight. I get being so tired of dealing with stuff that you just want to disengage. I get it. But I'm asking you, you know, they say this in the military, you're going to one up, you know, one more time. Go one more time. I'm asking you to go one more time. I'm asking you to engage and enlist one more time. I'm asking you to go on a, a, a mission one more time. Because in that mission, there's people that are going to be rescued. There's going to be people that are saved. There's going to be people whose lives are changed because your willingness to engage. And so this morning, if you're here and you're fighting a battle and you need some strength, you need God to give you some encouragement, you just need God to take some weight off of you. His yoke is easy. His burden is light. He'll not put more on you than you can bear. Those are all His promises. Let God give you some strength this morning. And so if you're here and you're fighting a battle and you want prayer today, whatever the battle is, would you come and let us pray for you this morning? We want God to touch you today. We want God to do something big in your life this morning. I believe He will. I believe He will. What battle are you fighting this morning that you need God's help with? Would you come? I want to encourage you guys to begin to pray and I'm going to pray for you in just a moment before, before I come down and pray I want to give anyone here an opportunity that does not know Jesus to give their life to Him today so with every head bowed and every eye closed across this room if you're here and you don't know Jesus as your Savior you don't have a relationship with Him you don't know what it's like to have His presence in your life to walk with you and direct you and His Spirit to guide you through the decisions that you face and circumstances that you come against. And so if you're here and you say, Pastor, I want to give my life to Jesus Christ, would you just simply slip your hand up in the air and put it right back down and say, that's me. I need to give my life to Christ this morning. I need to surrender to Him. I need to start living for Him today. Would there be one? Maybe you've walked away from Him. Maybe you're just not where you need to be today. And it's time to just get things straightened back up. If that's you, would you just signify that by raising your hand this morning? Would there be one in this place? I want to pray for you this morning. And if you want to receive Christ, you just simply have to invite Him into your heart and ask Him to be your God. Father, I thank You, Lord, for the people in this room. I thank You that You are a Savior. That, God, You came to save those things which are lost. That, God, this morning, that if we call upon the name of the Lord, we shall be saved. That's simple. Lord, we know you're God. We know you're able. We know you're willing to do whatever we need done in our lives, God, to restore us and to make us whole. And so, Father, right now we ask that you walk into this room and begin to touch lives and touch hearts in this place.
I pray if there's anyone here, Lord, that does not know you as Lord, they don't leave this place the same way that they receive you and accept you as Savior. If we confess our sins, you're faithful and just to forgive us and become our Lord and become our Savior, Lord. And whoever calls upon your name, you said you would give them the right to become children of God. We thank you, Lord Jesus, today in your name. Amen. We hope you have enjoyed and been encouraged by this message. We'd love for you to join us at the river on Sunday mornings at 9.45 for Sunday school and at 10.30 for morning worship. We also provide our midweek service for all ages on Wednesdays at 7 p.m. If you'd like to support the various ministries at the river, please go to our giving tab. We'd love for you to visit us at 1110 South Preston Street in Burkrenet, Texas. And as always, we encourage you to come experience life with us at the river.